Hello everyone, welcome back to the Not So Grateful Dead podcast. It is your host, Grayson Decker, back at it again. Episode number eight on this lovely Sunday. How are we doing? Doing well. Husband Creighton is back for another episode. Absolutely. Are you excited? Ecstatic. I am just profoundly overjoyed to be here. Yeah. I'm excited that you're here. I think it's going to be fun. I love talking with you about true crime, especially this because I've kept it from you for so long. Yeah, so that I, I can get... let you tell me because yeah. I didn't want to ruin this. We need the raw reactions of Creighton Decker. Absolutely. It adds so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it genuinely does. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. It's pretty good timing that I chose this case because it's... There's some stuff going on actively right now. Like, kind of stuff. Some crazy stuff. Tell me. No. You have to listen all the way to the end. You asshole. Tell me. Did you just call me an asshole? If you're not going to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I am an asshole then because you get to listen to the whole story and then you can hear the crazy stuff that's going on. All right. You're an asshole for now. Just for now. I get it. I too would be annoyed. But gotta listen. All right. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it now? Talk about what now? The case. I mean, yeah, we can jump into it. Do you have anything that you would like to announce to the world? Hmm. Do you want to talk about our fantasy football league? I guess if you want to. Grayson joined our fantasy football league, me and my buddies. I did. She, after the draft last night, she fared pretty well. Yeah. I, I would think. say so. ESPN, they have her slated to finish third or fourth. I think it was third, but I'm first, of course. Of course. But she does have Cooper Cup, and he's the one that won me the championship last year. She's well, got Matt Stafford too. For anybody that follows fantasy football, you know that's a big deal. I'm hoping that I will do really well. I think I will actually. I think I'm gonna manifest that that I'm going to win. And then you'll get to brag to everybody for a full year yeah that i beat all of them without knowing anything really (laughs) well you can't say that like i mean but it's you're not just a blind squirrel that found a nut i mean i did a little bit of research but not much and i have a good team so that's good yeah that's about it well you want to talk about true crime now Yeah, I guess. That is what we're here for. I know you could talk about football all day. We could. Do you want to do that instead? No. Okay. Mm, That's not why we're here today. (laughs) Okay. Let's get into this case. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Ready, ready. So today we're going to be covering the case of Anita Knutson. Have you ever heard of her? Anita Knutson. No, I've not. That's good. It's going to be a surprise, as it should have been. That's good. It it all worked out. As expected. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why you would have heard of it. You're not in the know about true crime. You don't know that. Oh, been doing some secret research behind my back that I don't yeah, know about. I'm in all sorts of Discord servers. And oh. No, that's a joke. I'm not. Well, that's good. But I could be. Are you secretly plotting my demise? Could be yours. Could be anybody's. Oh, okay. Could be. 
Okay. Gotta well, keep them guessing. Never let them know your next move. <laughs> to continue on with the case, I am going to give a trigger warning that this case contains mention of suicide. It's not directly related to the reason that the victim dies, but it is correlated to their life. So it's important. And yeah, but if it's too heavy for you, you can skip that part or you could tune in on Wednesday. I will not be mad at you for skipping an episode if it's too heavy. We We have been warned. Yeah, we support all things over here. But yeah, let's get into it. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Anita Nutson was born on September 22nd, 1988 in Orange County, California. She was adopted by Gordon and Sharon Nutson when she was just five months old. So she spent the majority of her life with an adoptive family, which is super cool, if you ask me. That's how my mom was. And she turned out to be a pretty cool lady. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Anita was known as a very kind and friendly person who was just super vibrant and super full of life. She was the oldest of three siblings, Anna, who was her younger sister, and then Daniel, who was her younger brother. The three of them were actually all adopted by Gordon and Sharon Nutson at a very young age, which is really cool. Three adopted children. That's awesome, right? That's cool. Really cool. She was known to be a very family-oriented individual, and I feel like we can both relate to that. We're both pretty family-oriented. For sure. I would say so. And when Anna, her younger sister, was asked about Anita, she says that it always seemed... Like, no matter who she was talking to, she made them feel like the most important person at that time. That's a big skill to have. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know. She just seemed like, overall, a really, really good person who obviously is extremely missed by all of her loved ones. Breaks my heart. It's very sad. It's even bigger when it just comes natural like that. Yeah. It's not necessarily a skill. Mm -hmm. It's just a natural aura. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. For the majority of her younger years, Anita and her family resided in Anaheim, California, and it was here that she attended Glen Knoll Elementary School and then went on to middle school at the Bernardo Yorbo Middle School in Anaheim. And here, do you know what she did? What'd she do? She published a book that she wrote herself in the eighth grade. That is impressive. I know, right? Never done that before. It's pretty crazy. I, I am not a good writer. Before. What? I said I don't know anybody that's done that before. Yeah, I I'm not a good writer, so that could never be me ever. I've never been good at writing. That was like my worst subject. We'll have to find the book. It could be like a I don't know a picture book for all I know. I don't think it was that. either way impressive, but yeah, we'll, we'll have, have to, to see what book. it is. It's interesting. She attended her freshman year of high school at the Esperanza High School in Anaheim, California. But then in June of 2002, Anita and her family moved to Butte, North Dakota, and it was here that she attended the Velva High School. Gotcha. Almost sounds like Velveeta. That's what it reminds me of, anyways. I do love me I... some queso yeah. with some rotel. Yeah hooked me up yeah definitely here she was a very active student she was in fccla and even received state and national recognition for drug awareness which is really cool and she was also in a ton of other extracurricular activities she was in soccer girls state she played the violin and the piano 
So she was like, honestly, just overall very successful and driven individual. She had a lot of different things that she was doing in high school and just in life in general. Pretty cool, pretty impressive. And she graduated from Belva High School in 2006 and she was in honors. So very smart, really cool. So all around you can tell like to do all of that, it takes a lot of drive. Like she had to have been a very driven person yeah, and would have impacted like a lot of people's lives. Most definitely. Being in all of those activities. Mm-hmm. Even more so with what I'm about to tell you, which is what she did after graduation. So yeah, goes along with what you just said. Makes sense. So she went on to study elementary education at Minot State University in Minot, North Dakota. So she would have made like a very big impact if she was able to teach young impressionable minds absolutely in my opinion yeah uh and during this time she was also working at the fairfield inn as a housekeeper and she did retail sales for like the small shop thing located in the north dakota square mall and it was called vanity so she was a very busy person and then obviously she was blooming as a college student and making a friend group for herself like we all do at the very beginning of college. I vividly remember being around like five people that were in my friend group continuously all the time. Like no matter what we were doing, we were always together. But at one time they were all brand new. Yeah. And it was like a lot to learn, you know, like hanging out with people. I don't know. She was obviously just very busy at the time. So though she was a busy college student, she still was extremely close with her family at the time. Like they still were just the tight knit family that they always had been. And Minot University was actually only like an hour's drive away from their family home in Butte, North Dakota. So like they were in very close proximity to her still even while she was at college. So they could get to her if they really needed to. That's cool. On a summer weekend in June of 2007, Anna Nutson, Anita's younger sister, and their father, Gordon Nutson, were attending the North Dakota State Baseball Tournament, and they were watching Daniel Nutson, Anita's younger brother, play baseball. Just a regular fun weekend. Gordon, Sharon, and Anna were all kind of getting concerned at this point, though, because Anita had not reached out to them at all that entire weekend. And like we talked about, that's probably a pretty odd thing for her because they were a super tight-knit family. Like, she wasn't answering the phone calls or texts, and that was just really unlike her. She actually talked to her mother daily, so. Yeah, if your mom, like, did not hear from you I was gonna say two days or three days, like, she would be at our front door. Yeah, definitely. I actually remember one time while I was in college, I got a little too crazy the night before and I was sleeping in and I don't know if my phone had died or if like it was on do not disturb one or the other, but like she had called me like a lot of times and I was sleeping in because I, like I said, had a little crazy night before and I wasn't awake and Victoria was asleep, so was Cameron, and she called Victoria and was like, what's going on? But she almost called the cops on me, like straight up, almost had them come do a wellness check because I was not answering her phone calls. Like, I feel like me and Anita kind of are the same in that way, that we have constant communication with our family. I feel like there's a lot of people like that out there. 
For sure. But I seriously call my mom like probably three times a day. Yeah. We stay in very and that close doesn't even count condo. incoming calls. What was that? I said that doesn't even count incoming calls. Yeah. She calls me a lot too. It's great. Good relationship. <laughs> but anyways, it's obviously just a big deal that she hadn't reached out to her family. And she actually last spoke to her mom on Friday, June 1st, 2007. So obviously, because this was very concerning to Gordon and Sharon, uh, Gordon drove over to her apartment on June 4th, 2007 to check in on her and make sure that everything was okay because she was last heard from on Friday, June 1st. So it had been like three days since they had heard from her, which is crazy in their family. Not normal. Yeah, very not normal. I don't know what I was trying to say. Something's going on. Something is going on. So he arrives to her apartment, and this apartment was located in the 2400 block of 4th Street, Northwest in Minot, North Dakota. And he sees that her car is parked outside, and her apartment is locked. So from the outside, it basically looks like she is home doing something in her locked apartment so gordon goes to the apartment complex landlady and this maintenance man and he's basically asking them will you please come unlock this apartment for me because like i haven't heard from my daughter i'm worried about her whatever and so they go to her apartment but before they actually go in the maintenance man says that he had seen like a screen outside of like a window of her apartment and it like had like a slash in it and so Obviously, that raises a lot of, like, concerns. And so Gordon goes to look at this window, and that's when he actually sees Anita on her bed. And her bed was, like, soaked with blood. So, like, obviously, he knows that something is incredibly wrong. So Gordon, the landlady, and the maintenance man all enter the apartment, and this is where they sadly discover Anita's deceased body in her bedroom. Gordon states that her body was cold to the touch, so... He knew that she was dead. That's so sad. Yeah, very upsetting. And also just very odd, which we'll get into that a little bit more. But just like from the way that things are going already, it's just a very odd situation. The front door is locked. Window is slashed. Very weird. Yeah. So Anita was lying face down and had been brutally attacked. She was fatally stabbed multiple times. And there was a bloody pocket knife that was left on the edge of her bed. And the killer used like a robe of sorts to cover up her deceased body. Gordon didn't notice that anything was missing from the apartment. So it didn't seem like robbery was the motive. Like quite literally her laptop, cell phone, purse, and digital camera were all in her bedroom with her when they found the body. So it does not seem like that was the motive in any way shape or form maybe something like personal then yeah i would say like stabbing someone is like pretty personal in my opinion like very crime of passion kind of thing yeah but also like given the circumstance being in a dorm room it's not like you can use a gun not a dorm room apartment yeah i'm sorry off campus apartment yeah but yeah i guess it would be like more telling that you have to be discreet yeah I guess that makes sense. I don't know. 
But I'm thinking like if everything is left there, then I don't know, the motive I feel like has to be like something passionate. I, it's not like she's got a lot of money. Like, yeah, it's definitely not some not. money related thing. I see where you're coming from. She's not necessarily in like a relationship that I know of, is she? Not that I know of, no. Yeah. I don't know. You'll just have to hear some more stuff and then you'll have to tell me how you feel later. Okay. Give me more. Okay. So other than the pocket knife, investigators really didn't have a whole lot else to go off of, which is just unfortunate. Did it look like, do you know, I guess, did it look like she, if she put up a fight? That I don't know, but she was fatally stabbed. I almost, so it had I feel like she was probably asleep. A couple of times. Yeah, I could see that too. She was just found laying in her bed. So I think, yeah, I don't know, but yeah. I feel like we would know like if the room was in disarray, like there was a struggle. Yeah, or like an attempted robbery. But the only thing was the screen outside of her bedroom window that was slashed. Yeah. Okay, I need more. (laughs) Okay. So her roommate, Nicole Rice, was actually apparently out of town the weekend that this all went down and she was at her parents' home. So that would make Anita supposedly alone in this apartment for the whole weekend. Crime scene analysis shed light on the time of death in Anita's case and the analysis showed that Anita's time of death was early on Sunday morning, June 3rd, 2007, and her body was discovered in the late afternoon of Monday, June 4th, 2007, around like 5 o'clock. Okay. So again, still though, like why hadn't she been heard from since Friday? Happened on Sunday. It's a little weird. In my opinion. So maybe she wasn't asleep. Maybe somebody somehow got her back into her bed. But it almost seems like... That would be crazy. They were targeting her specifically, like the front door was locked, so they went through her window specifically. Well, but imagine if they came in the front door, locked the front door, and then left out the window. That's just a little weird. I don't know. We'll, We'll talk about that. She was transported to the state crime lab that is located in Bismarck, North Dakota, which I actually have family that lives there, so shout out to the fam. It was also later discovered that she had actually not even showed up to work on Saturday, June 2nd, 2007. So why do you think that is? Because I have no idea. Like, it's just very odd. Obviously, something was going on that whole entire weekend. Yeah, I don't know. She's just very, very... I don't weird. know. I don't know either. You haven't given me enough. Well, I mean, that is pretty much just the facts of her case, but there is more to her investigation, but I will get into that later. Kate. All right. (laughs) Keep holding out. When Anna Nutson got the call about her sister, she was hanging out at a friend's house and her dad had called her and said that her brother was coming to pick her up and she was not to ask any questions. She noticed that her brother Daniel had been crying and demanded that he tell her what had happened. And she said it was the last thing that she could have ever expected to be told. And she also states that she struggled to comprehend the magnitude of her sister's loss because she was only 15 at the time, which is just very heartbreaking, very sad. Yeah. There was actually one sighting in her investigation, and this individual told investigators that she had seen a man running from the apartment that Anita had lived in. She gave them a description of this man 
who was fleeing the scene and they drew up a composite sketch that was released to the public like pretty quickly and very soon after the photo was released a man came forward saying it was most likely him but he was just running in the area at the time like he did that from time to time he would run in the area around the apartment complex area i don't know interesting people do that the minot police department ruled him out with being involved in the murder of anita nut said uh and this is basically the only eyewitness of the crime and it was a dead end so i was gonna say i really thought we were getting somewhere there yeah very upsetting investigators worked tirelessly to figure out who committed this heinous crime and they followed every single lead they carried out tons of interviews but they genuinely just had nothing to go off of they do state however that they interviewed over 40 people men and women that they believed could have even slightly been involved or had maybe even known just like a tiny fact to help like put the puzzle together there was even a maintenance man interviewed who actually, trigger warning, committed suicide after making early morning rounds at the apartment complex. He was never ruled a possible suspect in Anita's case. They looked into employees from an out-of-state roofing company that had previously done work on the apartment complex and that didn't give them anything. And they also talked to her roommate, Nicole Rice, who cooperated with investigators throughout the whole investigation. Still nothing though. They stayed that Anita was found in her bed. There was no evidence proving that she had been a victim um, of a sex crime. So, See, and I did kind of wonder that too. Yeah, so it didn't seem like sexually motivated or like robbery. Just very weird circumstances. Maybe like jealousy? I really have no idea. But the window in which someone had supposedly used to get into or out of the apartment showed no signs that anybody like had gone through it. Why would it? Why would it? Yeah. Like, you know how like windowsills get like dusty, for instance? Mm-hmm. Like, you would be able to tell that, like, somebody, like, came in through the window. You can't just, like, shoot yourself in. No, I feel like you could be careful. Or you um, could just wipe it clean. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm no professional. but I really have no idea. But they also found trace amounts of DNA on the pocket knife, which they compared to all of the DNA samples that were taken from the individuals that they interviewed. So, that's good. Yeah. And there were also trace amounts of blood on the actual window screen. And this indicated to investigators that the slicing of the screen had occurred after the murder took place when there was, like, blood on the knife, obviously. And they're kind of questioning, like, how... Or I'm questioning, honestly. Like, how did this person get into the apartment? Did they somehow get let in by Anita herself and then maybe things like went wrong and she gets killed? They make it look like they escaped through the window but somehow managed to also lock the door from the outside, which doesn't really make sense to me. Does this door have a deadbolt? I mean, I'm assuming. Ours did. I mean, if it's an apartment, it could have one of those electric locks that, I don't know. This was 2007. Okay, true. Fair point. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still sticking to what I thought in the beginning, that they somehow came in the front door, locked it, and then left out the window. But there's no signs that anybody came through or out of the window. Like I said, I don't think... I think you could do it without leaving a sign. I guess you could be right. 
I have no idea. I don't know if you could get in through a window without leaving a trace, but that's what they said. James Bond could do it. I'm sure, right. But that's what investigators said, is that it didn't seem as anybody had gone through the window. So that's what we're going to go with. They also found trace amounts of DNA on the pocket knife, which they compared the DNA samples taken from the individuals that they had, like, spoken to and interviewed they took dna samples from them and compared those to the dna that was on the pocket knife but obviously there's only so much dna left on the pocket knife so that kind of didn't lead them anywhere either because they couldn't really test that much it was not like a lot it was trace amounts so i don't know how that works like in the least i don't know it makes sense yeah there's not enough like a big enough puzzle piece there yeah there were also trace amounts of blood on the window screen that were Anita's, and this indicated to investigators that the slicing of the screen had occurred after the murder took place uh, when there was like blood on the actual physical knife. So how do you think the killer got into the apartment? The front door. Front door. I do. I think that would be the easiest way in. Like, getting in through the window would be suspicious. Because I imagine people can see this window. Yeah. Like, going in through the front door. I don't know how they did it. If they're, like, a delivery person or, I don't know, a friend of hers, even. Or if they somehow snuck in. Like, maybe she just forgot to lock her door. Yeah. And laid down to take a nap. I have no clue. I really don't know either. That's what, like, my theory kind of is, is that maybe they were let in by Anita herself. And then something, like, went terribly wrong. And she got stabbed to death and then like they escape somehow through the window but i don't know i'm just i could see somebody the lock bothers me because i remember on our like apartment complex it was like a deadbolt and then a normal lock and you have to have a key to lock a deadbolt from the outside so that like if you're going based off of what the investigators found which is that it didn't really seem like anyone had gone through the window and how did they lock the door? But maybe they do have a key. Like, I don't know, she could have lost her key like a year ago or something. And like, no one remembers that. Who knows? I lost my key. I don't know how many times. And so had think, to pay like, like $50 to replace it. found the key? Who knows? Hmm. Maybe someone stole it and she just thought she lost it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But if you're going by like who should have a key, it would be like her and her roommate, right? That's it. I would assume. Maybe like a... Maybe her family, but her dad even had to use like maintenance and the landlady Is there to like get a, a super? A super? Yeah. Like the landlady? Yeah. Yeah, but her Just father... One. Her father had to use the landlady to like let him into the apartment. So like not even her family, who she's super close with has a key so i'm thinking like it's just her and her roommate that have a key and like i don't know i was just a little suspicious because she was supposed to be out of town did yeah and they i don't know i feel like they could have even had like a hidden spare maybe maybe that is the case i have no idea law enforcement believes that the whole purpose of like the window screen slashing is to mislead them so i don't know i could see that i mean i've seen that in movies yeah, to just, like, stage a possible entryway. Yeah, or exit. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting. With little evidence and really no possible leads, the case pretty much goes cold at this point, which is just, like, so upsetting. And, like you said, it happened a long time ago. 15 years. 
And the investigation into her death actually really frustrated the family. And they, like, kind of had a feeling that law enforcement dropped the ball on her case specifically. And her case went on to be unsolved for almost 15 years. But not any longer? So like I said, 14 to almost 15 whole years the case went unsolved. And that is such a long time for her family to not really know what happened to their daughter and their sister. Yeah, for sure. Like, I could imagine that would have been very hard. Yeah, at that point, it's hard. It would be so hard to just, like, not be so angry and feeling like this person had gotten away with taking your daughter or sister's life. Yeah, for sure. Very, very upsetting. Daniel, her younger brother, actually seemed to have been, like, deeply affected by his sister's death. Him and Anita were really close, and Anna states that what haunts her the most about the death of her sister is that whoever killed her also took the life of her brother that very day. After she was killed, he was never the same. And trigger warning, Daniel Nutsett actually committed suicide on April 13, 2013, and she also says, or Anna also says that, I just don't think that this person or monster knew the pain he would cause our family and friends. Yeah, I mean, imagine one of the best people you know, let's say, like being taken out of this world in that circumstance. Just imagine what that would do to your outlook on life Mm -hmm. and just the world we live in and how unfair it really is. Yeah, and just like every single day, not knowing what happened or why it happened. Exactly. It would just be very frustrating. Good explanation. Yeah. It's just so heartbreaking that her family lost, like, two children and two siblings for Anna. For sure. It's just so sad. Not only did it affect her family and friends, but law enforcement as well. They were kind of upset with themselves. Lieutenant Jason Sunbecken of the Myop Police Department stating that this is one of those cases that just hangs over your head. It is so frustrating. So it obviously was just very upsetting for everyone that was involved in the case. I just, huh, 15 yeah, imagine, years. I don't know if you're doing everything you can and the family is still like coming at you like you've dropped the ball and you, maybe you feel like you have because, you know, you want to give the family justice. Yeah, it's just such a lack of like evidence. There's really nothing for them to go off of. But after 15 years and nothing substantial over these years, the case of Anita Nutson finally was able to be closed and solved. This is what I've been waiting on. Yeah. Get on with it. We're going to take a look back at the roommate of Anita Nutson, Nicole Rice, because investigators noticed some inconsistencies in her story. Figures, bitch. (laughs) Exactly. Nicole Rice stated that she had been away that weekend at her family home with her parents, but both her and her parents had inconsistencies in their statements. Several of the friends of Anita that got interviewed stated that Anita and Nicole Rice fought frequently. Fought how? I'm assuming verbally. Wouldn't like smack down? I mean, I don't think so, but they were like constantly Imagine if these people know though, like they had to have been loud. Yeah, I don't know. 
But Sharon Nutson, Anita's mother, states that Anita was scared of her and also that Nicole Rice had sent Anita threatening messages in the past. Wow. Yeah, so not a good person at all. And because of this bad relationship, Anita was actually planning to move out of the apartment as a whole. Like, she did not want to be there anymore. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that has anything to do with, like, a reason for murder, though. I mean, really, I still don't know, like, why she did it. But they obviously did not like each other. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, at all. More things began to come out as investigators began re-interviewing individuals about the case just this year. And this was after they started a partnership with Cold Justice, which is a true crime show. And this gave them extra support and more expertise. Gotcha. There's more eyes on the case. Yeah, for sure. And they actually talk about that, how they basically felt as though it was a good thing that her case was, like, considered a cold case because people would be more up to look at it and try and solve it and it's always good to have like fresh eyes on a case yeah so that's what they say but the family was obviously very upset that it took so long to figure all of this out 15 years it's crazy understandably so oh yeah absolutely it would be very hard to deal with that which is not fair Mm-mm, not at all In the many years that the case was unsolved, investigators received multiple tips about Nicole Rice, and one of these was about another roommate of Rice. So, that's really interesting. This roommate stated that while intoxicated, Nicole Rice admitted that she was the one that killed Anita. Wow. Yeah. And it took a while for investigators to track down this roommate who said that Nicole Rice had confessed, but they finally found him. And this quote-unquote roommate was a man that Nicole Rice had been dating for just a few months back in 2008 and 2009. So, like... Shortly after. Shortly after she got killed. Um, And someone at this, like, party or something had supposedly brought up that, like, Anita had died, whatever. They were talking about her death. And Rice and her boyfriend were at this party. And the former boyfriend stated that while drunk she told him i did it and then like when he tried to ask her about this later when she was sober she got angry and denied saying that or that she had ever been the murderer of anita so so in a weak moment she tried to lift a guilty weight off her shoulders yeah it's crazy and then tried to deny it Mm mm-hmm yeah once she realized what she had done it was a terrible mistake on her part but very good for Anita's family. For sure. Nicole Rice was arrested Wednesday, March 16, 2022 at the Minot Air Force Base. And she was like working there as a civilian. Like she wasn't part of the Air Force, just as a civilian. Sacking groceries. Something like that. I have no idea. But she was then transported to Ward County Jail. And get this, she was released the very next day on a $120,000 bond. It's a lot of money. Who paid that? Her father. Okay. Yeah. And she's out now? Yes. Currently. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yes. Just hanging out. Hanging out. On the out. couch, eating Cheetos puffs. Doing whatever she does. Watching Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Why Jimmy Fallon out of anything else? 
I don't know. He's always on TV. That is true. So, yeah. She's a free woman currently. He's also really funny. I find him funny. <laughs> she was supposed to be due back in court to be arraigned on April 21st, 2022. But this was pushed back due to requests from the Ward County State's Attorney Office because of the voluminous amount of evidence in the case. Which, are you kidding me? There's That's really not opposite of that much evidence it's a little opposite of what we've been led to believe exactly it was very weird the courts have approved this request to push back her preliminary hearing to september 8th 2022 which like i said that's next thursday is that gonna be like televised i really don't know i have no idea because i didn't really know about this case until i looked it up it seems popular in north dakota but i did not hear about it outside of that like looking it up specific to North Dakota. So I really don't know. But this is if it doesn't get pushed back again because it's already been pushed back twice before. It was supposed to be in April initially, like I said, but then it was actually supposed to be in August and now it's supposed to be in September. So hopefully they don't push it back again because that would be just so upsetting. Yeah, I feel like she's already gotten her dad's money's worth. Exactly. Of Three days. Yeah, for sure. Nicole Rice faces a Class AA felony charge in the fatal stabbing of Anita Nutson in 2007. And like I said, she's still free on bail and it was posted by her father. And I can only hope that on September 8th, the hearing does go through and it doesn't just get pushed back again. Yeah, that would just be even more unfair yeah anita not saying she deserves justice and her family deserves the peace of mind that their daughter's killer is behind bars she does not deserve any more cheetos puffs no she deserves prison ramen yep that's what she deserves and obviously because this case is happening currently things are unfolding right now i will try my best to keep you up to date with all of the new stuff that comes out about it and yeah that is the case of anita nutson i do really want to know the motive me too like why yeah why all we know is that they just didn't get along and what that she, gonna she gain threatened her i want to know like what she threatened her with i mean she probably said i'm gonna stab you i mean maybe but i don't know i don't know it's just very weird it's a very upsetting case i will be asking you what's going on with it I'll keep you up to date, just like all of you guys. We will want to know. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like I said, what would she gain from that? I have no idea. A room to herself? I have no Straight A's, clue. I guess. I don't know if they the were like... Isn't that a thing? What? No, I guess maybe. Where if your roommate dies or something, you get straight A's for the semester automatically. What? Have you not heard that? No. That's crazy. I have no idea. I really have no clue what they were so upset about when it came to their situation i know i don't know i don't know we've seen a situation like that though remember when we were in that apartment and those two ladies like all the time just mm-hmm. screaming at each other yeah i think but they there's were... no telling like what causes those fights i feel like they were dating though yeah that's what's like weird about it is there's not like a romantic point of view that we know of. I don't think that they were romantically involved with one another. No, definitely at all. not. That's not what it sounds like. No. And so, 
it's just very odd. I don't know if it was like maybe romantic in the way that it was like a man that they were arguing over. I have no clue. We shouldn't speculate. Oh yeah, no. But that is kind of what we're here for. Yeah. We like to speculate. There's just a lot of missing puzzle pieces. It's time for Miss Rice to pay the piper. <laughs> yes, definitely. Do you have anything else to add? She's got what's coming to her. Yep, I agree. Is that all? And better late than never. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay. I did want to give a little announcement about a active case that's going on right now as well. And this is the missing persons case of Eliza Fletcher, who's 34 from Tennessee. She was a teacher and a mom of two boys, and she's been missing since Friday, September 2nd. And she was reported missing at 7.45 a.m. that morning after she did not return home from her morning jog. Surveillance footage shows that a dark colored SUV, likely a GMC terrain, uh, they were seen forcing her into the vehicle and she was wearing a pink top and purple running shorts at the time and they also found her smashed phone and water bottle on scene but that's pretty much all we know so if you know absolutely anything please reach out to the authorities and let them know because it's very sad she needs to be returned home to her family and her children and those are definitely unusual circumstances oh absolutely the smashed phone water bottle, literally camera footage showing that she's being shoved into a car unwillingly. So somebody needs to figure out what happened to her and get her home because that is terrifying. But I just wanted to let somebody know if I have any audience in Tennessee, please be aware. Aware, alert, vigilant. Yeah, vigilant. I was looking for that word, but I couldn't find it in my head. But please be aware and pay attention and try and find her. Look up her case and see what she looks like and look out for her because it's happening right now. Pay attention. I think that's about it, though. Do you have anything else to add to today's episode or to anything? No. Uh, just thank you for having me on. Yeah. I had a good fun. time. I hope. Thank you to the audience for listening. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. It's really fun. Even if you don't care, I like doing it. It's fun. We do have a good time. Yeah, for sure. Should I link my social medias? Absolutely. Okay. So I have an email, and that is the not so grateful dead pod at gmail.com. I have a website that is the not so grateful dead.podbean.com. I have an Instagram, the not so grateful dead underscore podcast. I have a TikTok, the not so grateful dead pod, and a Facebook, which is the not so grateful dead podcast with Grayson Decker. So please follow me. I, like I said in the last episode, have a very exciting announcement that will be happening sometime soon, probably at the beginning of October. So please follow because you're not going to want to miss what I have to offer you in the month of October. It's pretty exciting. It'll be here before we know it. I know. I'm excited. Halloween. My favorite. Ooh. <laughs> Grayson right. loves spooky season. I do. It is my favorite. We need to decorate the house. We're already in September. <laughs> We're behind. We don't leave Christmas lights up all year. No. But we do but. start early when it comes to Halloween. And I am not ashamed. For real though. You want to decorate after this? 
No. Well, that's a let down. Okay, well, I guess we can go now. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) We will talk to you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, thank you. All right. Want to say bye? Bye, everybody. Bye. Until next time. Bye.